Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Austin, and I'm going to be preaching today. Um, hope you're excited because the scriptures we're going to be going through are just so amazing. Okay, so the sermon's title is "Cultivating a Passion for a Deeper, More Intimate Relationship with Jesus." Okay, so now we're going to look at three specific scriptures that kind of should categorize what our relationship with God should look like. So everyone turn to Psalm 63 in your Bible. Psalm 63. Okay. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped." Now, we're also going to look at another psalm, so flip a few pages over to Psalm 84. Because we're going to look at uh, three psalms. And what I like about the psalms so much is, you know, David was a man after God's own heart, and he just had that fire for God and worship, and he was just always so excited to be seeking God. Okay. Um, So Psalm 84, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. We're going to look at one last psalm. It's Psalm 42. So if you can flip over there. This is the last psalm we're going to look at. We're just going to read the first few verses here. It says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So those are some powerful chapters categorizing what our relationship with God should look like, just a passionate pursuit of God. Okay? Uh, by show of hands, who here has been in love before? Been in love? Okay. Right? Now, when you first enter in a relationship and you get married, you're kind of, you're extremely excited, you're very passionate, you, you're just thinking about your spouse all the time. There's just a lot of, you know, a lot of people categorize it as like the honeymoon phase, right? Has anyone kind of experienced that? The honeymoon phase, where you're just thinking about them all the time, okay? And then sometimes then when you go throughout life, you still love the person, but you lose that same kind of excitement and passion, right? And that can kind of happen as we go through life, as your relationship with your spouse, as your marriage can lose that kind of zeal. In the same way, we can start off really strong with God, but then as we go, we can kind of lose our passion and our fires. Like, yeah, we love God, but we're not that on fire for Him. We're not really blessing Him and praise Him throughout the day. We're not thinking about Him and meditating on His Word, right? That's, that's what can kind of happen in our life, okay? So knowing that, uh, I have two questions for you, just to think through yourself. What do you think about the most, and what makes you the most happy? Okay? So, you know, the Sunday school answer, everyone's going like, to write down, yeah, we should be thinking about God the most. God should make us the most happy. But think about just in your own life, what do you think about the most, and what makes you the most happy? And the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? So what we're going to show today is how we can put God in the place of that, how God can be the one we can think about the most, and how God can make us the most happy, okay? Now, so we've already seen that we're supposed to seek after God. Like, everybody knows that. Everyone's supposed to seek after God, read your word, pray, spend time with God, okay? Now we're going to look at some of the rewards that we get once we start seeking God, like that deer panting for flowing streams, okay? So we're gonna, I'm going to read a few verses here for us. We're not going to be flipping around. This is in Jeremiah 31, 14. It says, I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance. My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. And then we're going to look at John 4, when he's talking to the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And next in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And one more about this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So that's what God wants us to receive once we're seeking God, is a satisfaction in God, an enjoyment of God, okay? Now, you know, to be satisfied, you know, it's kind of like you're lacking nothing. You're content. You're you're just experiencing God in such a way that he fulfills you, okay? And that's, that's what we were made for, that relationship, and God's going to meet us and fulfill us, okay? So that's part of it. God is going to satisfy our souls, and next, God's going to give us pleasure, okay, in God. And so uh, let's look at Psalm 16, since we're already in Psalms. So flip over there. And it's a short psalm, so I'm just going to read it for us. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. 
As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we see that at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore, and there's fullness of joy in God's presence, okay? So we need to understand that as we seek after God, we should be receiving the most pleasure. Because if you think about it, in this life, everyone, whether you're saved or unsaved, everyone's chasing the same thing, and that's happiness. Every single person. You know, that everybody wants to be happy. And God created us to be happy in him, okay? So think of kind of an analogy here is, uh, you guys have Ruth Chris here, around here? Yeah. Okay, so imagine you have the option of eating at Ruth Chris or McDonald's, okay? And you can go and you can pay for McDonald's. You can pay 10 bucks and get a big old meal for you at McDonald's or you can eat at Ruth Chris for free. I think everyone here would say, I'm going to go to Ruth Chris for free, okay? And that's how it kind of is with a relationship with God, is basically we can pay money and we can go to idols and other things and try to find happiness and joy, or we can get the free, the living water from God and really enjoy true pleasure from God, okay? So that's what God wants for you, is to be extremely happy in God, okay? So... We're going to look at that, you know, I made that analogy of Ruth Chris and kind of McDonald's. A passage that talks about that, God is saying in Isaiah 55, verse 1 through 2, he says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. So he's saying, you're going after these other things. They don't satisfy. They don't um, fulfill you like I'm going to fulfill you. Like you're just eating all this McDonald's when you could have this Ruth Chris, okay? And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be satisfied and happy in him, okay? So I wrote down, I said, let's, let's make sure we don't grow stale in our affections for Christ. Simply stated, God made us to experience the fullness of pleasure by having a passionate, deep relationship with Jesus, Let's experience the joy God came to give us. And then I wrote down again, to experience the greatest happiness in the things that have been made as idolatry, whereas experiencing the greatest happiness in God is worship. Okay? So think about that for a second. If you get your highest pleasure out of stuff that's been made, that's idolatry. You get your pleasure out of God, that's worship. Okay? So now I think... I think everyone here would agree with that. We just clearly looked in the Bible. This is what the Bible teaches. God wants, to, wants us to seek him, and he wants to give us satisfaction in him, and he wants to give us pleasure in him. Okay, So that's kind of like what we're after. Now we're going to focus on how can that happen? How can we make that applicable? And it's not going to be one of the sermons where I'm just going to say, read the Bible and pray. Like We hear that all the time, right? Just read the Bible, pray. Everybody knows that. But, but that's good. We need to read the Bible. We need to pray. But we're going to go into some other stuff how we can cultivate that walk in that intimacy with God.
So first, we need to focus on Christ. I'm going to read a verse from Psalm 27.4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. So can we say that of our own lives? That's the one thing we're asking and seeking after God is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord is to really think about him. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? So we're called to look to God, who's the founder and perfecter of our faith, okay? And also, it kind of explains that in Psalm 145. It says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. So we're thinking about God throughout the day. And that's kind of like, you know, I mentioned earlier that relationship that you have, you know, with your spouse. When you first get started, you might be thinking about them and you're just in love. You know, you're thinking about throughout the day, you're like, man, my wife is great or whatever. And that's kind of how it is with God. We're just thinking about God throughout the day because we're deriving pleasure from this relationship with God. So we're thinking about him, his attributes, his beauty, his wisdom, his power, his love, his mercy, his grace, his wrath. We're just thinking about God throughout the day. So that's phase one, is focusing on Christ, okay? Just thinking about God, okay? So that's number one, focus on Christ. Number two is marveling over the gospel. Um, I want everyone to turn to Romans chapter five. This right here is One of my favorite passages in scripture. And we're going to read Romans 5, 6 through 11. It says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we are enemies we are reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So probably some of us in here have been Christians since we're like five years old, right? Or, you know, you've been going to church your entire life. You've probably heard the gospel 5,000 times. Like, you know, if you've been to church and your church preaches the gospel, you've heard this message so many times. But I think the danger in that is we no longer marvel at it. We're so familiar with it that it still doesn't like blow our minds that we were literally enemies of God. It's not literally like, we're kind of neutral with God. It's like literally we were hostile towards him, right? The Bible says uh, we're hostile in mind doing evil deeds, right? That's in Colossians, okay? So we're enemies of God. We're completely separated. You know, Isaiah 59.2, our sins have made a separation between us and God. And so when we had literally no hope, it says for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I like the other translation better. It says for while we were still helpless, Like, literally, we were helpless. You know, Ephesians 2, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Like, we are completely dead and unable, unwilling to come to God, right? Because in Romans 3, it says no one seeks after God, right? And then in John 6, it says it's the Spirit who gives life and says no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So God, through his Holy Spirit, is then drawing people to himself. So that's what God did to us, is that we're a part of, And then through the Holy Spirit, he brought us to his son, 
right? We were helpless. We could not have saved ourselves. So we need to be thinking about the gospel that Jesus, the creator, came down as a man, came to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that's what it says. We'll be saved by him from the wrath of God. So it's literally God's judgment was going to be poured out on you. It was, it was coming down. You were guilty. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were on your way to hell. The wrath of God is coming. And Christ comes in and takes your wrath for you. So that should produce so much worship and just so much thanksgiving and gratitude, knowing that Jesus has saved your soul, that he died on that cross and rose again for your justification. And so Jesus says, in Matthew, he says, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So this is marvelous, the gospel, okay? So number one, focus on Christ. Number two, marvel at the gospel. So thinking about Jesus dying for your sins throughout the day, okay? Number three, rejoice in your salvation. So if you've read the book of Philippians recently, you see there's a common theme where Paul keeps saying, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. And again, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then 1 Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So this gospel should produce this joy and this pleasure that you want to now rejoice in God, right? Because that's the chief end of man, to enjoy God and glorify him forever. And it's really to worship him. That's why we're here, to worship God, okay? So the gospel is going to produce worship in your heart, okay? So that's, that's how we focus in on God, focus on Christ, focus on the gospel, focus on the attributes of God, and praise him because of that, okay? Because the gospel should fuel our worship. It's kind of like the gasoline in the car making it run, okay? Next, we need to focus on the word. I'm not just going to tell you here just to read your Bible because everyone here knows we need to do that, okay? But let's look at Psalm 1, 1 through 2. It's a familiar psalm to most, um, probably one of the more famous psalms. And we're just going to look at verse 1 and 2. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we need to be thinking about the Bible as we go throughout. Because it's easy just like you have a quiet time, and then you go do, live your day, right? And you might not even think about what you read this morning, okay? We're not meditating on the word day and night, okay? And if we, we're going to look at another psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 19, 7 through 10. I'm going to read it for us. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the dripping of the honeycomb. So God wants us, as we're reading and meditating on the law, he wants us to have pleasure in this, okay? So I don't know if you're a big reader here. You might read some novels. You might read, I don't know what you guys like reading, but 
you know, you might read like an action adventure or a drama or whatever. And when you're reading that, you don't think, oh, I have to go read my novel today. You know, you don't think that way. You think, I get to go read my novel, right? And that's how we should think about with the Bible. It's not some like chore, some checklist. It's I get to read the Bible today. You know, so it's like it's a reward. It's a pleasure, okay? It's like sweeter than honeycomb. That's what it says, okay? So there needs to be like a reward system on our brain. If you think about it, um, there's different reward systems in life for different things. Like, you know, when you eat, you know, your body produces, you know, pleasure. Like, you know, if you eat a cheesecake or whatever, ice cream, whatever, you get pleasure from that. So there's a reward system in your mind, okay? Same thing with, you know, why people always do drugs. It makes them feel good and... You know, it's this reward system that when whatever they do, they get pleasure from that, okay? And there's all different sorts of things in life that once we do that, we get a reward of pleasure. And that's how we need to operate with the Bible is that as we're reading, we receive pleasure from that, okay? So after you're focusing on God, now you're focusing on meditating on the Word of God throughout your day, okay? So, you know, Cami is probably... Talk to you about, you know, you might have different reading programs that you can use getting in the morning or whatever. Whatever you want to do, whether it's three chapters, two chapters, ten chapters in the morning, this is going to help you think about God throughout the day, okay? So lastly, once we're focused on God, these are, these are steps that once we implement, it's going to help us get that fire, that passion, that excitement for God back, okay? Because that's what we want. God wants us to be passionate about him, like Christianity is not boring. This should never be boring to think about God or worship God or read the Bible. This should be exciting to you. And only through the power of the Holy Spirit is that possible, okay? So now uh, I wrote down, don't solely focus on having a relationship with God, but we also need to obey him, okay? And Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it, right? So God just wanted us to read the Bible, have a relationship with God, but then we're not doing anything with it. We're just sitting on our hands not seeking first his kingdom, right? That's what he says in Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well, okay? So now we need to obey him, okay? Now let's look at Matthew twelve thirty four. Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? You think about that, whatever you enjoy, you talk about the most. Like, so if you have grandkids, you love your grandkids, and you're talking about your grandkids to other people, Right? If you love, you know, your hobbies, or your kids, or whatever you love, you talk about that, right? You don't think, oh, I have to go talk about my hobbies. I have to go talk about, um, what's their football team over here? Uh, Redskins. Redskins, right? You don't have to be like, man, I have to talk about the Redskins today. Oh, this stinks. You know, you're like talking about the game, play by play, to your coworkers, or whatever. You know, whatever you like to do, you're naturally talking about it. So in the same way, if we're thinking about God throughout the day, we're thinking about the word, naturally we want to share it because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're loving Christ, thinking about Christ, you're going to be like, man, I want to talk, to, talk about Christ to other people. 
Okay. Let's look. I want everybody to turn their Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And this is the last uh, verse we're going to turn to today. Um, but I want us to see the excitement of getting to share your faith with other people. It's not, oh, I have to go tell people about God. It's like, no, I get to go talk to people about the God of this universe. I get to tell them about my treasure, you know, because the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. Then a man in his joy sells all that he has so that he can get that treasure, right? So Jesus is the treasure. He's the joy that we get, okay? So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. We'll start in 17. Okay. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So right there, this is powerful. God has given you a responsibility. It's you're an ambassador. So now you represent God in this world, right? And it says right there, it says God makes his appeal through us, right? So God, he, like Jesus already came, right? And he went back to heaven. So now we're here and God's using us to bring people to him, right? God didn't write it up in the sky, the gospel, and put a cross in the clouds and write out John 3.16. God didn't do it that way, right? God chose to use us, okay? And it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So every Christian is called to be an ambassador, okay? And if you think about it, if you really love God, if you really are experiencing God and having joy in God, you want to do that. You know, you want your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors to come to know the Lord, right? Because, I mean, everybody knows here that if you don't know Christ, where do you go? You go to hell, right? Do you want, do you want that for other people? No, nobody wants that. On, we don't even want that on our enemies, right? We love our enemies. We want people to experience the joy that we have, right? And if you think about that, imagine, you know, you're kind of like in a desert place. You're in an oasis, and there's a lot of people or you're in the desert and there's a lot of people there and, you know, you're barely getting by and there's hardly any uh, water and food, and, but you're out, and you're out in the desert and then you find an oasis, right? And you find an oasis where there's all kinds of, you know, food and there's all this drink and you just kept that to yourself. You didn't go back to the town or go back to the desert to tell everybody where the oasis is, right? That's pretty selfish, right? In the same way, that's kind of if we don't evangelize, we found the fountain of living water. We found the goodness of God. We found the pleasure of God. And we haven't gone back to bring other people to the oasis, right? So God wants to use you. So let's start off small. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. And if you wanted to run a marathon, you wouldn't just go out and say, I'm going to run a marathon today. You start off with running one or two miles and you start building up. So I want everyone here just to think of like one or two people. You know, it could be like, your brother who doesn't know the Lord, or a neighbor, or a co-worker. Just think of a couple people that the rest of this year that you could share with, because God wants to use you to bring him to Christ. You know, we're not here. I don't think Cammie expects you to talk, tell, you know, a thousand people the rest of the year about Jesus. No, if you I wanted to, 
high expectations. Yeah, so if you want to share with a thousand people, that's amazing, but we need to start somewhere, right? Somewhere is start with some people you know and be praying for them, right? Because we want them to come to this oasis of God, this pleasure of God, the riches of the glory of his grace, okay? So that's what I have for you guys today is focusing on your relationship with God, get your passion for him, and at the same time using that passion to reconcile people to God, okay? So I'm going to end this in prayer. Lord, we love you so much. Just thank you for this time. Lord, I'm just grateful that we're able to go to these just scriptures, Lord. And I think the scriptures are what was so powerful today, Lord. It's not my words, it's your words, Lord. I pray that you would work a revival in our hearts and our minds to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I pray that you renew a fire for, for meditation on Christ and the word, Lord, that we would receive much pleasure and satisfaction in you. And then we would use this pleasure and satisfaction to bring others to Christ, Lord. So I pray you'll use us. I pray that everyone right now will just be praying. Uh, Yeah, everyone take a minute right now. Just just pray for these people that God has put on your mind. So I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Yes, Lord, we just pray for all these people, Lord. You love these people, Lord. You um, say that you desire all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, Lord. So I pray you'll use us, Lord. Give us the boldness, Lord. It takes courage. The devil's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want us sharing the gospel. He doesn't want us telling other people about this oasis, Lord. So I pray that you'll give us strength, give us courage, Lord. I rebuke uh, complacency or procrastination or laziness, Lord, and I pray that you'll use us to bring others to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um,